Good morning. Who can name that last song that I was just playing? Nope. During the offering. You'll find it on page 278. We're not going to sing it, but you can look it up. And it's very significant in church music because it's written in two different time signatures. Anybody got it? Saved, saved. I found a friend who was all to me. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. But the verse is written in one time signature and the chorus is written in another. So it has significance when it comes to church music. Not only the words, but also the timing. And as Audrey and I think Don both mentioned, happy Palm Sunday to the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of the world. Not just the Jews, but Hosanna to him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. I want to ask a question this morning. What are you looking at? And if you would please turn to Numbers chapter 21, and I'm 100% sure it's Numbers today. <laughs> chapter 21. I'm so sorry about that last week. Verses 5 through 9. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses, and he said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord, and against thee, Moses. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Life for a look. In John 3, 14 through 16, it says this, And Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life.
Father, I ask you this morning to burn this upon our hearts as you did on mine. And Lord, I pray that you would give me the wisdom, the knowledge, and the strength, and the, the anointing, Lord, to deliver the message that you've put in my heart and my spirit today, that we may know upon whom we should look, oh God, for life. In Jesus' name, amen. In the wilderness, God did not remove the serpents. Isn't it interesting? God created them. He put them in the midst of the children of Israel to teach them, to drive them back to him. But when it came time that the people said, oh, we have sinned, we repent, God didn't remove the serpent. Possibly this was uh, obviously in God's plan, but possibly he had other motives for having the serpent remain among the people to keep them in line, but most definitely a prophetic look into the future of the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. But God made a way for them to have physical life restored to them through the brazen serpent that he told Moses to make and to lift up because they repented of their sin. And God made a way through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be lifted up on a cross. What a contrast. One remedy was for physical life. The other was for eternal life. Moses was told to make a serpent in the image of the very thing that was killing the people. I found that very interesting. And to raise it up high enough, he said to make it fiery. In other words, it would light up. It would be bright and shining from the light of the sun that would shine upon it so that everyone who had been bitten, bitten by sin, bitten by bondages of idol worship, which they were in, murmuring against God and against Moses, bitten by that serpent, that devil whose love and whole desire for being is to kill and steal and destroy from God's people and they would live. That life was only temporal, but the life that Jesus gave was eternal. A few chapters later in the book of John, chapter 7, he was teaching the people in the temple, and he said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Those rivers are also eternal. In John 12, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up like that brazen serpent, foretelling of his coming and what was to happen, he said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. When Jesus was carrying his cross to Golgotha, Pilate 
wrote the inscription on his, above his head himself. He wrote it in three languages so that it could be read by all. He wrote it in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. And it said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And yet the scribes chastised Pilate. The priest, the chief priest, chastised Pilate and said, don't write it like that. Write it that he said he is king of the Jews. And Pilate replied and he said, it stands as I've written it. I'm not changing it. He is the king of the Jews. But he gave them permission to lift him up on that cross. I think Pilate knew that not only was Jesus innocent of any crime, but that he was who he said he was, the very Son of God. But because of Pilate's cowardice and his own fear of the people, he allowed them to crucify Jesus, an innocent man, lifted up for all to see. In Numbers, they were looking forward to the cross, the symbolism of the cross that was to come. But we look back at the cross because he isn't there anymore. He reigns in heaven next to his father. On the cross, Jesus addressed his mother and John. They had been looking at him, but now (laughs) Jesus said, Look at each other. John, you look at your mother, and mother, you look at your son. Don't look at me, look at each other. Because Jesus ensured that John would care for his mother's earthly needs while he was caring for her soul and her deliverance into eternal life. That day, those that looked upon Jesus saw a marred face and body, the horrible scars that were inflicted by evil men. The book of Isaiah prophesied that his visage or his appearance would be so altered that they wouldn't even be able to recognize him as a man. But Isaiah also prophesied that very soon we will see the king in all of his beauty. For when he returns, he will no longer be marred. Yes, he will have the scars in his hands and in his feet, but we will see the glory of his face that shines like the noonday sun, the Bible says, and his face will be that of the lovely Galilean. For he was from Nazareth in the, ta- in the country of Galilee. It gives us such hope in this life to know that we have salvation and we have eternal life because Christ became the sacrificial lamb, as Don had said but it's going to cost us something to gain this promise. It will cost that we remain faithful to him, that we adhere to his words, and that we remain strong in our faith in him.
in the New International Version, Hebrews 12, a very famous passage of scripture. You could all probably quote it, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But the NIV says it this way, fixing our eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He's the beginning and the ending of our faith, both the author and the finisher. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He did it for love of the Father and those that the Father had given him. If you recall last week, and when we're talking in the book of John, not Matthew, Jesus said, I, I have all those, I hold all those that the Father has given me. I've not lost one except for Judas. He's holding us, but he did it for the love of his Father and the reuniting to be with him and he to be seated again by his father in heavenly places such love we sang oh how i love jesus there is a name that i love to hear i love to sing its worth but oh how he loves us jesus told his confused sad disciples in the book of Mark, chapter 14, and verse 28, when I've risen in three days, I will meet you in Galilee. I'll be there before you get there, he told them. Come and see me because I'll meet you there. He reassured them. He gave them the date. In three days, I'll meet you there. He told us, I'm coming again. I will not leave you. I will come again. We don't know the date, but we know the promise that he's coming again. And he said, this time I will meet you in the air. We will have that meeting in the air when we rise to meet him and never again be parted from him. The book of Psalms chapter 63, 1 through 3 tells us, that when we look at him, we will see his power and his glory as it was in the sanctuary. And Psalm 123 verse 1 tells us that when we look upon him, we will see him who is enthroned in the heavens. Aren't you thankful for God sending his son and Jesus loving the Father and loving us enough to go to that cross. But we have to keep our eyes fixed, as the New International Version in Hebrews 12:1 says, fixed upon Jesus. He's beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, as the song says, and his radiance shines back at us, and we become just like him. 
2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that if we keep our face looking at him as though we're looking in a mirror, that we behold his glory and that we become transformed into his image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Audrey, if you would come. The scripture in King James says to let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. A woman named Helen Howarth Limmel was born in England in the year 1863 into a home of a Wesleyan minister who immigrated to America when Helen was only a child. She loved music and her parents provided the best vocal teachers that they could find for her. Eventually, Helen returned to England, to Europe, to study vocal music in Germany. In time, she married a wealthy European, but he left her when she became blind and Helen struggled with multiple heartaches during her life. At age 55, <clears throat> Helen heard a statement that deeply impressed her heart. So then, turn your eyes upon him, look full into his face, and you will find that the things of earth will acquire a strange new dimness. I stood still, Helen said later, and singing in my soul and spirit was this chorus with not one conscious moment of putting word to word to make a rhyme or a note to a note to make a melody. It was just there. The verses were written that same week and after the usual manner of making a composition, it was directed by the Holy Spirit. Pastor Doug Goins of Palo Alto, California, and his parents, Paul and Catherine Goins, both 82 years old of Sun City, Arizona, knew Helen when she lived in Seattle. She was advanced in years and almost destitute, but she was an amazing person, Doug said. She made a great impression on me as a junior high school child because of her joy and her enthusiasm. Though she was living on government assistance in a very sparse bedroom, whenever we'd ask how she was doing, she would reply, I'm doing well in the things that matter. One day the Goins invited her to supper we had never entertained a blind person before, recalled Catherine, and it was very interesting. The, despite her infirmities, she was so full of life, and I remember how amused we were. Excuse me, for, I didn't write this. How amused we were when following the supper, she said, now, if you will lead me to the bathroom, I'll sit on the floor throne and reign. <clears throat> but she was always composing hymns, said Catherine. 
She had no way of writing them down. So she would call my husband at all hours of the day and night, and he would rush down and record them for her before she forgot the words or the music. Helen had a small plastic keyboard by her bed, and there she would play and sing and cry to the Lord, one day God is going to bless me with such a heavenly keyboard, she'd say, and I can hardly wait. Helen Lemmel, who wrote 500 hymns in her lifetime, died in Seattle in 1961, 13 days before her 98th birthday. And she's the author of Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I want to tell you how I came to this message. I struggled all week long. I prayed like normal, I read like normal, I sought the Lord, I rejoiced like I always do. And Saturday morning I had nothing. Yesterday I had nothing. It was time for my swim class and I got dressed and I got in a car and I was just weeping and I said, Lord, I don't know what else to do. I've done everything and I don't know what the message for tomorrow is. And just like that, oh soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. And within 15 minutes, the Lord downloaded the points of this message to me with the scriptures and everything. I went home after the class and wrote it out in about two hours time, it was done. I just thank him that he can lead us when we're troubled, when we don't know, we're weary, I was weary, I probably read half the Bible and I still didn't have anything. That might be an exaggeration. <laughs> but I read a lot and I'm thankful for what I read. But I'm so thankful for the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then in closing, if you would stand. And I'm going to ask Audrey to thank you, sweetie. I'm going to ask Audrey to lead it for me since I don't want to put it so low that you can't.
for reminding us, oh God, to keep our eyes upon the Savior. Oh, Father, just like it was in the wilderness, it may be a matter of life and death who we look to and who we look at. For we know that only the Savior has the words of life and has eternal life paid already paid for just believing in him. Oh, we thank you for that promise. And as we go into this Easter week, Lord, let us be even more mindful of the cross that you bore on our behalf, Lord. Oh, and let us be more mindful, oh God, to keep our eyes fixed upon you.
They don't come off when they're fixed. They're stayed. They're permanent, Lord. Oh, I thank you for this message. I thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord. And I ask you to go forth with each one this week, oh God. Keep us safe in your care and your protection. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.